our scripture reading, we turn to Psalm 139. Psalm 139, begin reading at verse 1. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassedest my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reign, Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, They are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men, for they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? And am not I grieved? 
with those that rise up against thee. I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So far we read from the from the Holy Scriptures this evening. The text that we consider is verse 14. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Dearly beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, looking at this psalm as a whole, the text we consider is toward the middle of the psalm. As we look at the psalm as a whole, one thing we take note of is how it begins and it ends with the subject of God searching us. In verse 1, we say, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down sitting and mine uprising, and so on. Thou hast searched me and known me. And then we get to the end of the psalm, and that idea of searching comes up again. Search me, O God. And know my heart. Try me. And know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Asking God to search us. Desiring to be searched by the one who knows all. Who knows our words before we speak them. Who knows our down-sitting and our uprising? The Holy One. The righteous God. We ask Him to search us. And we do so in the consciousness and with the desire that we might see our own sin and that we might turn away from sin unto God. We love our God. We We are thankful for our salvation and we desire to know how great our sins and miseries are as well as how we are delivered and how we might express our thankfulness and desiring God to lead us. Lead us in the way everlasting. Well, in that, in this psalm that mentions this idea of him searching us, there is this idea repeatedly about the fact that the one who knows us 
has made us. There's a repeated reference to the idea that he, that he knows what we're, our thoughts, and he knows there's not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. We speak a lot about his knowledge. And then in the, towards the center of this psalm, we make a reference to the fact that the one who knows us made us. The one who made you. He knows you. You were fearfully and wonderfully made by the Almighty God, and He He knows you. He knows me. And we go into that to a certain degree in this psalm. We say, I was fearfully and wonderfully made. My substance was not hid from thee. When I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being imperfect, and so on. We speak of him how he formed us. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Recently, in the congregation here, has had the joy of the birth of another covenant child. We thank God for that child and for the birth of our covenant children. And each time there's a covenant child born, we look at another covenant child, and it's good that we stand amazed at what God has done. The forming of a child. And then as we have to teach that child, give instruction to that child, how important giving instruction about what's mentioned here, that the one who made you knows you. And he searches you. He knows you. He loves you. He knows you. He's the one who formed you. And he knows everything that you do. And we often stress that to our children as they grow older. That they may find they can do things that mom and dad don't know. They find ways to, to hide. And yet... God, their Father, knows. He knows them. He knows everything that you think, and everything that you say, and everywhere that you go. We look at this and stand in, in awe of our God. This song is some sung by one who doesn't want to sin. He wants the sinners to go away from him. He doesn't want to sin. Anybody that's going to tempt him, away, away from me, depart from me. And who looks at his own sin and hates his own sin and asks God, search me, try me, know my thoughts. I want to be led in the way everlasting. The psalm is 
written from that point of view of sung by the believer who stands in awe of his God, which is brought out in that idea of fearfully and wonderfully made, and who desires to glorify his maker. We consider this passage under the theme, fearfully and wonderfully made. We consider, first of all, God's wondrous work. Secondly, the godly fear. And then lastly, some practical applications. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Certainly, one thought that's often mentioned when in connection with a text like this would be how amazing is the forming of the human body, just looking at it from the viewpoint of the body which can be studied and how those that have studied it how amazing the human body is in fact you don't have to be a student of biology you don't have to be a med student to already know enough about the human body to just be amazed amazed the inconceivable skill of the God who has made us And how our different parts are all put together, woven together. The amazing detail. And if one part, a very small part, is not functioning correctly, the kind of problems that there can be, that you can have a a little vessel, say, and something's blocking something, And all the problems that are coming that are related to the fact that there's something that can't get through a very small vessel. That on a certain point of view it seems like such a small problem and how all sorts of things now start to not go the way they ought. We stand amazed at what God has made. All the details of it. And it's beyond our comprehension. Even somebody who is thoroughly knowledgeable in the medical field would have to say that there's so much that we do not know. In fact, a number of times, even worldly doctors will say that, that there's so much we don't know. And they may come right out on it. You ask them a specific problem, and they may, on certain times, say, we really we do not know. The Scriptures talk to us about things that we don't know. It says, for example, in Ecclesiastes 11, verse 5, As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child. You and I don't know how the bones do grow in the womb. One can see if someone was watching it, they could see the bones growing, they could see the child growing. 
But this passage says, but you don't know how. We don't. Even so, thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. God points out to us what we don't know. And it's said here right in the scriptures, bringing out to us, we don't know. There's much we don't know. Sometimes man is proud of what he knows. He thinks he knows so much. An individual may be proud of what he knows in a certain area. When we are proud of what we know, we compare ourselves with other human beings. And we think, I know more about whatever the subject may be than a lot of other people on that specific subject. And then it become proud of what I know. And they're in a circle of people where people don't know how to say you know, a, a certain fact or how to answer a certain question, and I know it well, I can be lifted up in pride. Why? Well, apparently these people don't know how to answer this. I know how to answer this, and we can be proud of our own knowledge. Or we can be pride of, proud of what mankind knows collectively. Look what we're able to do. The science, the technology, the astounding things that can be done today from a certain point of view, it's seems amazing that what can be done. And yet at the same time, it's also the case that we have to confess with humility that there's many things we do not know. And as it was applied in that Ecclesiastes passages, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. And we're not to think that God should do something different than what he's doing. We must not, in our pride, find fault with God. Sometimes things can happen in our life. And it's very important that we don't find fault with God. We understand God controls and directs all things. And our God is wise. And we are to be humble and submissive. And confess that we don't know the works of God who maketh all. We're cared for by God. The God who has formed us he cares for us. We were covered, protected when we were in the when we were in the womb. There are things that are mentioned in the scripture that are commonly known, but we don't meditate upon them as often as we ought. Thou coverest me in my mother's womb. He cared for you in the womb. There was a time when you were in the womb and your God was caring for you. There was a time when it was time for you to come out of the womb. And it was important that at that time you come out of the womb. 
and it was your God that brought you out. And and we sing of that. Thou art the one that took me out of the womb. That at that time in your life, it was very important that you come out. And God is the one that brought you out. Your God, your Father, brought you out of the womb. He provided you food while you were being formed. He provided you with food through your mother. During the time that no one could see you, you were so small in the womb, God was making sure that you had, God was the one that was providing you with the food you needed. And then when you were born, there was food that had, was being made ready for you in your mother. Now, whether or not your mother nursed you or used a bottle, just looking at it from the viewpoint of a mother nursing her child and how the child needs food and the mother nurses the child, but who made the food for that child? But your God. God made food for you and cared for you and worked with you. And, you know, a child has a desire for for the milk. He works in the child that desire for the milk. And that's also referred to in the Scripture. And we're to see how that all works and say that God's works are marvelous. Marvelous are thy works, as we say in verse 14. They're marvelous. He made us not only with regard to our body, but the human being is both body and soul. We talk about a human being. We're both body, material body, and a, and a spiritual soul, which we can't see. We differ from the animals. Man was created in the image of God. Now, not all human beings, we often talk about that, that not all human beings today bear the image of God. There's lots that many people say we all do, but it isn't true. God created man in the image of God, and then he fell, and when man fell, he now was like the devil. Didn't bear the image of God. But in Christ, we do bear the image of God. We know God. We're righteous and holy, and that's what the image of God refers to the fact that we have a true knowledge of God. We're righteous and holy. But God made man to be different from the animals, made in his own image, that we might know and have fellowship with God. So now we look at the forming of the, the, the human and also looking at him from the viewpoint of body and soul and how he made us that we might have fellowship with him. 
that we have fellowship with the infinitely glorious God. That he talks to us. And we talk with him. It's amazing. And we all know that that's what we do, and our children know that, and when we pray, who are we talking to? We're talking to God. But isn't that amazing? That we talk to God and He hears us. And at any time, anywhere we are, we can call out to God and He hears us. And He speaks to us. And we say, Christ speaks to us in the preaching of the gospel and we hear His voice. Isn't that amazing? That's really true. We have fellowship with God. We commune with Him. We are His workmanship. and He has made us that we might have fellowship with Him. Covenant communion. And that's what the covenant is. Fellowship, friendship with God. And now we look at it from the point of view we've been talking about human body, now in fact body and soul, now looking at it from the viewpoint that there are some people who are new creatures. And when we look at verses that speak of how he formed us, how he created us, that he's our father, Passages that direct us to the fact that we are his children. He's our heavenly father. We are one of his people. We are new creatures. So that we look at it not just from the point of view of all human beings, but specifically from the viewpoint of of God's people. For example, in Psalm 100, verse 3. Psalm 100, verse 3 is a good example where you can see that idea. Where it says, Know ye that the Lord, that is Jehovah, He is God, It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. He made us, not we ourselves. And then the next line, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So that if one looks at the beginning of it, he's the one that made us, and and if one is thinking of he's made that When God, back in the beginning, when he made man, and then if one was looking at it from the viewpoint of all human beings, what we see here, there is a specific reference to God's people. And when we are singing about he has made us, we are to have our mind directed to what he has done in his elect people. Not all human beings are the sheep of his pasture. 
only some. Unconditionally chosen. In Ephesians 2, verse 10, we say, We are his workmanship created in Christ. There's the language of creation. We're new creatures created in Christ. We're his workmanship. See how it's related to this passage in the psalm. We're his workmanship created in Christ. Unto good works. That we might glorify him. Unto good works which he hath before ordained that we should walk in them. That we sing this about, in Psalm 139, we're singing this about our God. He was our God from our mother's womb. There's a number of places in the Psalms that we speak this kind of language. In Psalm 22, Thou art he that took me out of the womb. Was was making a reference to that earlier. This is Psalm 22, verse 9. Thou art he that did, that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breasts. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. We sing these psalms also from the point of view of looking at it from the viewpoint of a child of God. A new creature in Christ. We have been holding up from the womb, we sing in Psalm 71, verse 6. And he formed each one of us. And each one of us is unique, and each one of us is important. And each one of us has a special place in the body. And it's good for us in humility to be thankful for all the different members of the body. And a desire to get to know the different members of the body. Not only the ones that seem to be more like us, but to be thankful for all of the members of the body. Just like there's many members in the human body, many members but one body, though the Bible speaks about of us having gifts that we're to use for the advantage of the other members and we're to be thankful for the gifts that others have. And that we're to use the gifts we have for the advantage of the others. And that we're to be thankful for one another and express that in our communion. And God is preparing us throughout this life. He prepares us. He molds us. He prepares us. And we will live together with our God and we will reign with Christ. We know that's really true. The Christ who died for us and who speaks to us now, we will reign with him forever. 
we meditate on these things, we, we fear. We behold the wondrous works of God that excite fear and reverence for our God, for our Father. That we fear our Father. That we reverence Him. When it says here in this psalm, Psalm 139, the text, which reads, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. Now the two words, word translated wonderfully made, you have that idea of wonderfully, and then in the next part, when it says marvelous, those words are closely connected, are closely related, so that they can both have that idea of wonderful. And then the, the word that's translated fearfully, the idea of the verse is something like, because that exciting fear, I was wonderfully made, wonderful are thy works. So that it carries with it the idea that this is, we are made and as we, we meditate on what he has done and it, it excites fear, reverence. Not the fear of dread, of course, not the fear of one that dreads something and would run, run away. But the fear of love, that we would stand in awe of our God. And that as we would contemplate our origin, we would not look at our origin and with thoughts of how great we ourselves are, but how great our God is. And that we stand in awe of him. And that we would sing, all that we are, we owe to thee. And that we sing that with godly fear from the heart. We all know those words. It's one thing to know them, be very familiar with the, the Psalter number but also for us to sing that. All that I am, I owe to thee. Thy wisdom, Lord, hath fashioned me. That as we contemplate that he, the wise God who fashioned us, we say that, all that I am, I owe to thee. And that when we study, whether studying the sciences or whether studying theology, the sciences as the world refers to sciences or we're studying theology, studying what is said in the scriptures themselves, that we do so with godly fear. So that one that studies biology or the other sciences 
that we would do it marveling at God's work. And indeed, the child of God, God does study the sciences with that in mind. Not only when we study the sciences, not only are we on guard against any time that the world would teach us something that we know is not true because it disagrees with the scriptures. And we must be on guard against that. But also, as we study the sciences, and so far as we do, that we're to stand amazed at the works of God that he has made it this way. We're foolishly men talk about the sciences as if everything just happens on its own without a God that made everything and who's governing and directing everything. And we know that our God made the heavens and the earth and he's controlling and directing everything that takes place. And we marvel at his works. And as we study in theology, we marvel. We marvel when we study the truth concerning creation and also concerning creation in Christ. And we see the connection that with regard to creation in six literal days, that God said, let there be light, and there was light. He spoke, and there was light. And then we see the parallel with regard to the new creatures, that he saved every person, he saves every person he intends to save. It's entirely his work. It's he that made us. And we marvel. We stand in awe. And we fear him who sees us. We say, when I was hidden in the womb... He saw me. My substance was not hid from thee. He saw us. The one in whom darkness is as the light. Darkness and the light are both alike to me, to thee. That he formed us in the in the womb where it would in in that womb where we couldn't see. He could see. He did see. He saw us when we were in the womb. He saw you when you were there. And he made us in what's called the hiding place when it says we were made in secret that that verb word there that says when I was made in secret, uh, that that verb word has the idea of being in the hiding place. And he who saw us when we were in the womb, he sees us now. And we are in awe of the one who we know sees us and knows everything that we're doing. One can't escape. 
course, the child of God wants God to search him. But it is important to also bring out that somebody can't escape the God who knows all. And we do bring that out to our children too. When it, as they grow older and they're, they're always think as they think about what their parents know or don't know. And then you say, you know, it is the case that's not. There are going to be things that you could hide from me, but not from your God. That He always sees, and He chastens. He chastens us in His love. He sees us, and He chastens us. He teaches us. Sometimes He teaches us with regards to sins sometime later, too. Sometimes it may be quite a bit down the road that we are conscious of the fact that we're being chastened for something that happened really quite a while ago. And God humbles us, and we're thankful. We're thankful he searches us. We're thankful he shows us our sin. We do want to be led in the right way. We marvel. Oh, wondrous knowledge, awful might, unfathomed depth, unmeasured height. That's what we say. Wondrous knowledge. We stand in awe of him. And it's with godly fear that we request him to search us. We desire our maker, our father, to search us. Our father who is also our friend. And we side with him in his judgment of us. That idea and making that personal for you to say, I side with God in his judging of me. So that when God says, you've done this wrong, that that was a sin, and you need to repent of that, that I confess the same. That that was evil. And I'm sorry, and I confess my own sin and humility. I don't deny it. But that I humble myself before my God, and I confess it. And I ask for forgiveness. That I side with him. As he makes statements concerning me. And I do so in the consciousness. That there's no condemnation for those in Christ. That we confess our sins thankful. that we know that the punishment we deserve, Christ suffered in our place. 
so that we confess I'm sorry and we also think of the punishment that Christ experienced. And out of thankfulness, we praise Him. And we ask Him to keep showing us our own sin. We find it's hard for us to think about our own sin when we're told to examine ourselves And then when the Lord's Supper comes around a week later, how much time did I examine myself? That if you or I ask that question of ourselves, how much time did I really self-examination? Did I remember And did I really think about my own sin and the curse I deserve? How quickly, when we start to think about something that we've done, how quickly we can move to what someone else has done. And each one of us sees that in ourselves. We can so quickly move. And as we examine ourselves, say, I, I need to look at my own sin more, not quickly start looking at what I think is somebody else's sin. But look at my own. And to thank God that He has saved a sinner such as me. And Finally, some other, some else, some additional practical applications from this. Number one is when we consider a passage that speaks to us about the forming of a child, and when we say, "I am fearfully, wonderfully made; my substance was not hid from me." Thou covered me in my mother's womb. It doesn't say thou hast covered one who later became me. But that I was in the womb. And that child in the being formed in the womb is a child. And his or her life is not to be ended because someone doesn't want the birth of that child. Many people don't want to think of it as a child until later, maybe at a certain point in the pregnancy. Maybe when they could survive if they were born. But the one who was in the womb was was me. It was you. And if God's people ever fall into that sin, that they've actually ended a pregnancy, 
that they've had an abortion and then later they feel guilty about that. One should go to God and ask for forgiveness. The God who does forgive sins. Even those who have committed the sin of murder. A washing away of that sin. Indeed, we've all violated the sixth commandment. Some have committed a grievous sin of the sort of, of, of abortion if there is forgiveness with God a cleansing somebody a child of God who was who had fallen into that sin and had committed that sin and grieved about it it would be important to on one hand not only tell them that indeed it was a grievous sin but also to, to comfort the child of God that they're washed that there is cleansing in Jesus Christ. And that's and every child, every child is conceived in God's providence. You know, the world speaks of certain exceptions in horrible cases. Rape and incest well, then in that case, you could end. Well, is it the case that there is, is it in those cases it's not a ch- child then? People will refer to this as an extreme position. But the fact is that that is a child. And it may have been a horrible situation in which one became pregnant, and yet it is a child. And the Bible speaks of being in my mother's womb. We we bring up subjects now that wouldn't be thought of bringing up in the past. It's not my father's womb. The one that gives birth is the mother. Some want to say the the birthing parent. It's the mother. Many that are men want to be women, so they say, I identify as a woman, or other way around. We are to be submissive to the will of God, also in the sense of he made us to be either male or female. And we and our children are to talk together about the works of our God, marveling at what he has done, and remembering that our bodies and souls are temples of the Holy Spirit. Bodies and souls, and they're to be preserved pure and holy. A temple of the Holy Spirit. Our bodies and souls are, as we say in the Heidelberg Catechism. And that we are to turn away from our own sin. And we are to remember how precious each 
member of the body of Christ is. And as we deal with one another, that we are conscious of that and, the, and that we express and show by our concern for one another and how we talk to one another, how we are thankful for the different members of the body. And that we together praise our God. Notice how this psalm speaks of how we are to praise God. In fact, we say we're resolved to do that. I will praise thee. So we make that statement, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. And we say, in that my soul knoweth right well. I will praise thee. Thy works are marvelous. I know that. I fear my God. I will praise Him. I'm resolved to praise Him. To exalt His name. To praise God with my words. And to praise Him in my life. That I want my thoughts and my words and my actions to be ordered to His glory. So that I praise Him in all my life. That's what I desire. And that's the desire of one that's saying, search me. That I want to be led in the way everlasting. I want my life to be ordered toward that goal. Of the glory of the name of our God. We meditate on Him. We awaken. We think of Him. We say, when I awake, I'm still with Thee. As children of God, we're conscious of the fact that our God knows us. And we do think about it. And so do our children. And we say to you children, at times we say to your children things like were mentioned tonight, that God knows you, He sees you. We do know that you think of these things too. That you get up in the day and you're conscious too times the fact that your God knows you the one who made you who loves you he knows you and you're conscious of the fact that he sees you and when you do something that you ought not do without anybody saying you know God sees that you do see how that comes to your own mind and how we go to God and pray. And there's times in the life of a child of God, many times, that we pray and ask God to forgive us for things that nobody else knows. Nobody told us to pray. Nobody else even knows we did it. Nobody else knows we thought it. And yet we go to God. Why? 
because we love our God. We love our Father. He is really our Father. That's reality. We are children of the living God and will fellowship with Him forever. And He assures us that we are forgiven and that He will guide us. He will lead us. We ask Him to lead us and He assures us He will. That He'll guide us, that He'll uphold us. He who has formed us will not forsake us. He doesn't forsake the works of his own hands. And that's what you are. The works of his own hands. He won't forsake you. He will guide you and strengthen you. My life, as you and I sing, my life in all its perfect plan was ordered ere my days began. We delight to praise our God together. May we together exalt his name and in our daily life may we commune together and work together and together praise our God, our maker, our father, our friend. Amen. Let us pray. Our Lord, our God, and our Father, we are very thankful, O Lord, for thy grace and the mercy that thou dost show to us. We are thankful for the comfort that we have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We're so thankful to be thy children. Grant us the grace to stand, to glorify thee. Lord, search us, try us. And grant that we may see our own sin and turn away from sin unto Thee. We are so thankful that we know Thee to be our God and that Thou dost show us mercy. Thou art a merciful God and Father. Forgive, O Lord, our sins and keep us from sin. May Thy name be magnified in all the earth. For Christ's sake, amen.